Welcome to the second edition of the To The Trees podcast. I'm presenting this podcast out in the field. I'm sat in uh, Bushy Coombe beneath the oak at the bottom. I've got my, my coffee and my, my bum on the ground. It's about eight o'clock in the morning. Lovely rays of sunlight coming through the greenery. Lovely old copper beach off to the right. It's a deep maroon colour, contrasted with the, the bright golden green of the oak leaves sat in front of it. It's quite beautiful. So I am going to present this podcast from um, outdoors. It might make it a little bit more improvised, um, kind of making, making it up as I go along a little bit. But hopefully that presents something a bit more organic and slow and, you know, close to nature. It allows us to ground a little bit. That's what this process for me has been um, recently, coming out in the mornings and sitting here, getting into my body and on the ground. And down here is a little treasure trove. So I see a, a whole range of birds down here. Um, it's a, a bustling city of birds down here. There's dunnocks that feed in the mud down here. Your robin, um, who comes to sit down in amongst the grasses here and, and, and pick out worms. That one likes to sing his little heart out. And he comes down and he or she comes down and sits and picks worms out of the mud. And robins, you know, very cute little birds, but they're beasts. They're actually microcosmic beasts. If you've ever seen them dealing with a worm, it's quite um, <laughs> dramatic scene. <laughs> kind of reminds me of killer whales with seals, you know, it's that kind of almost like it's playing with its food and taking some joy in their, their mini monsters. So yeah, then you've got wrens darting about from branch to branch or, you know, making their presence known very vocally, um, normally in the direction of another wren. Wrens are so funny, their little tails twitch, um, like stand straight up and twitch and their whole body goes into making this noise and their beaks are like scissored apart and screeching and i can only imagine that like from a small thing's point of view having this belting its way towards you through the sky screaming like that it's like some otherworldly like like poltergeist that just comes out of nowhere and yeah little wrens I've also seen plenty of woodpeckers down here, there's tree creepers, blue tit, great tit, coal tit, um, long tail tit. Um, I've seen goldfinches fighting in the bush, like two feet away from me, of, you know, completely obli oblivious. I love the colours of the goldfinches, really beautiful. Blackbirds and, and crows up in the trees as well. And yeah, okay.
Okay, that was a nice little introduction, wasn't it? Um, I think what I'll do now is um, introduce you to a little story that I've written, very short story. Um, this is also about the coom. This is basically where I spent most of my last two weeks, um, a lot of time during the last month. Um, so this is a story about the badgers of Bushy Coombe. It's called The Badgers of Bushy Coombe. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. The pathways roll out across the coombe like mini-adventures awaiting the roving paws of their nighttime walkers. Pads, as they are known, provide the badgers with a map of territorial boundaries and routes to foraging grounds, and the badgers plot sure paths confirmed in scent and padded nightly for decades by the ancestors of the Bushy Coon clan. I follow one such pathway. It leads me towards a grand oak on a steep embankment, surrounded by a thicket of mixed undergrowth and young trees. The oak is the badger's doorway to the underworld. Their set is dug into the hill, and the downward-reaching roots of the oak form dramatic pillars on each side of the entrance. The trunk towers above, marking the portal to an immense badger palace. The main tunnel rises from darkness into the semi-light of woodland, a kind of intermediate patch between the badger home and open coombe. The primary path splays into three secondary trails. The most well-trodden leads down the hill, snaking gently through the meadow towards the brook at the bottom of the coombe, where it disappears behind an old willow. Other paths lead to other places of importance for the badgers good foraging, uh, a place to roll around, and perhaps one of these tracks leads to the grove where the creatures hold counsel in the night. Observing the lines as they stretch out across the coombe like far-reaching abstract art pieces on the landscape, one is beckoned into the world of Badger. My perception is lowered to creature altitude as I am coaxed along their intimate trails, effortlessly gliding through the little grass mumps. I am no longer travelling on foot, but by paw. The grass verging on each side, allowing for swift, stealthy crossing from one side of the coombe to my favourite spot, under the oak, down by the brook. I am yet to spot a bushy coombe badger. I can only imagine them emerging from their sets at dusk and shuffling down the hill towards their brambled gateway. Furry heroes embarking on mini-adventures. And these paths are the imprinted memories of the wise badger ancestors. They are ancient maps laying unchanged for decades and to guide the badgers for many generations to come. So that was the, the Badgers of Bushy Coombe, a story I, I wrote recently, short story, a work in progress as always. I like to think of these stories as kind of, as, as like more of developing thoughts than stories set in stone. And that it might evolve into something else. And, 
have new little trails that pop off of it and explore other things. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. So now I will do a little descriptive tree ID challenge for you. So I'll approach a tree from a distance and describe it and get closer and closer and describe what I see as I get closer and hopefully the clues that I give will allow you to identify that tree um, without even seeing it. Um, this is a nice little challenge for me um, to describe and use, um, you know, to develop my descriptive language of nature. Um, but also a nice challenge for you to kind of picture what I'm describing and hopefully get a positive tree ID. So, here goes. Okay, so the tree that I'm looking at is a medium-sized tree. I'm currently stood at a distance and the tree is in a woods surrounded by other trees. Uh, as I move closer, I can kind of start to see that the bark is like brown colour. Very lightly grained, almost smooth. And then as I get a little bit closer here, I can see that its fresh leaves are coming out. And they're kind of a, a, ready, a ready brown colour, turning to green. There's like a gradient from red to green. Okay, these leaves are um, of a pinnate compound structure, so that means that they are leaves made up of many leaflets, um, oppositely branched leaflets, with one terminal leaf on the end. So the next clue is that the tree is a monoecious, monoecious tree. That means that both male and female flowers appear on the same tree. Okay, I can see some male flowers at the moment and they are long catkins. They look like little cat caterpillars, quite thick. Um, as I get closer in here I can, I can rustle around and find um, female flowers and they are, I can see lovely little nubbins, tiny little catkins that point upwards in clusters. Can't really call them catkins and they're yellow and bristled. Okay, so, so far we've got a medium sized tree. The bark is lightly grained and brown. Um, the leaves are, are just emerging and they have a kind of maroon red to green and they will turn green. They're a pinnate structure, so they have leaflets. This is a monoecious tree, so it has male and female flowers on the same tree. The male flowers are, are long fat catkins, and there's some out now. And then the female flowers are shorter, stubbier little flowers, the yellow and forming clusters pointing upwards. And they have little bristles on them, like little gems. So now the, the last three clues should start to, if you haven't got it already, should start to um, give you more firm ideas. So this tree 
when it's mature, the bark turns to a whitish grey colour. Um, and I've seen them um, become more defined in their graining, in their fissures. Whitey grey colour to the bark when the tree is old. This is a, an uncommon non-native tree, so it's come from another country. It's sometimes found in woodland, but mostly it's a, a planted tree. And then finally, this tree produces nuts. And the female flowers will, throughout the summer, develop into large round nuts. And they'll um, be fully mature by kind of September, um, autumn time. So there you go, that was 10 clues that should build up a picture of what this tree is. Uh, it's one of my favourite trees to look at, especially the mature ones, they're really beautiful. Especially the white colour, they're kind of ghostly. Um, so if you think that you've got a, a good guess on that, then send your answer to matt at tothetrees.co.uk um, and I'll let you know whether you were correct. So hopefully you all got that. <laughs> that was quite fun for me. <coughs> um, so that brings this month's podcast to a close. Um, I'll leave you with a, a song that I wrote recently and recorded last week. It's a song called Perfect Timing. I'll see you next time for the next To The Trees podcast. is cold, the night is old, the mist is here. The dawn is near, she waits to hear us call her name. I touch was told a story old by trees of mystic rhyming met on the fold beyond the old the tale of two souls diving we laughed we loved and we heard Love 
A rising here, a golden sphere, and as darkness wanes, the day awakes to see those two uniting the waters warm. A daughter is formed, a tale of perfect timing. We laughed, we loved, and we heard. And we danced around in the dirt. And we sang, and everyone sighed. For all those who came before us The end is a light The end is a light The end is a light We loved and we hurt And we danced around in the dirt And we sang and everyone sighed We sang for all those who came Bye.